Knox here by the bay. So happy to be home. I returned late last night from New York City. I was there for a quick trip to see the David Bowie is exhibition at the Brooklyn Museum. And the David Bowie is uh, exhibition has been touring the world for about five years and doing, I guess, about six months stand, six month long stands in um, different museums around the world. The ones I can remember are Chicago, New York, London, Paris, and now Brooklyn. It may have gone somewhere else, but I don't remember. And uh, and then when this show ends in Brooklyn in a week or so, that's going to be it. But it was, uh, you know, ephemera from from his whole career, from the time he was 15, which would probably put it with her, um, early 60s, um, on up to the end of his life in 2000, and what was it, 16? Yeah, 15, I can't remember. Two and a half years, uh, 16. Uh, an amazing show. And uh, I, I have no real quibbles. The only thing that I think they kind of missed out on was uh, they could have had a video clip of him going through uh, with the backup singers of his song Right from the Young Americans album. I saw that, I think it was in a movie called 20 Feet from Stardom where he's going, and, and basically in the exhibit, they had this little chart he made. I'm going to post a video uh, link on my website where you can, uh, on you know, with this post, uh, you can see the video on YouTube, and where he, he charted out the, the very strange and bizarre backing vocals and amazing backing vocals for the, for the song. I wish they'd had that in the show. I think they should have, but they didn't ask me. Um, to be truthful, perfectly truthful, I have no quibbles with the show. It was incredibly well done. And um, as a rabid Bowie file my whole life, um, um, I think that's, that's saying something. Um, what I love the most... For me personally, were the were the lyric sheets and the notes he made, the sketches, all the things he did. And he, he he started collecting stuff when he was 15 years old, drawings of, and he saved everything. He was always on a mission, and he he wrote notes to himself about, you know, how was Ziggy Stardust going to be received and perceived by parents, and and you know things about going huge. And uh, I mean, he was always aiming for. Uh, to be major, and uh, he, he dreamed very, very big, and as we know, he he achieved it. And um, so I love that. I love the it's the early lyric sheets where you'd see maybe one line that was actually in the finished, um, you know, song or you know, or 
some edits and stuff like that. I mean, some were clearly written more like after the song was done because, you know, I know what lyrics lyrics look like when you're actually writing them, and there was plenty of that in the in the show as well. But it was, it was and, and then also he had he had these he'd make these charts for like the lighting on uh, the station to station tour, and it was just grids of. Stuff. And he made note. He wrote notes to himself about all kinds of stuff that I, frankly, could not decipher. I mean, it kind of did, but he was very cryptic, and uh, clearly, he knew what he was talking about. So that was that made the trip worthwhile, just to see those notes and the drawings and the and the charts and the. Everything, uh, glimpse into the process. Um, I've read plenty of books about each individual song and what they possibly mean and who played on them. But what I've always been curious about is, you know, and with, not just with David Bowie, but with any artist I like, is you know, where did that come from? How did you, how did you bring it forth? You know, and uh, so um, I got some glimpses, you know. Um, and, you know, of course, the show had all of his costumes, uh, and they were great to see some of them, like that, um, that one, the Matsumoto one, uh, with the bell, bell-shaped uh, leg, leggings, you know, the, the bell way out, a curvy thing, a jumpsuit. That was amazing to see in person. But I, you know, saw his, his uh, clothes, like the, what he was wearing the night I saw him the first night in, on the Ziggy Stardust tour. 1972 and everything after uh, what was clear was that he had a vision um, and I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't already know and he took charge of every aspect of his art and his performances and his appearance and uh, just a brilliant incredible um it was just amazing to see it all in one place, you know, everything. And there were lots of video interviews, not with just him, but with other people and, uh, you know, uh, designers and uh, both uh, clothing designers and uh, album designers and uh, plenty of uh, video footage of live performances and videos. And some there was a really early... Uh, mime performance I've never seen before. It was all mime, uh, whole thing, uh, a production he did. And he was an excellent mime. I mean, I know, we all hate mimes. But back then, we didn't hate mimes yet because it was still sort of, you know, all we knew back then in the mid-60s was Marcel Marceau. And, you know, he was okay. But... You know, it was just, it was kind of interesting to see all the bits and pieces that all came together. And of course, it all gelled with, with the Ziggy Stardust. And, you know, see little, you know, notes about how much the, uh, the violins and cello and, and, uh, you know, the clarinet and the bassoon cost for, say, uh, you know, a song on Hunky Dory. I think it was Quicksand or something. But so. Um, you know, if you're a true Bowie fan, <laughs> beg, borrow, or steal the money to get to Brooklyn and go see the show. I spent four hours there. I only teared up a couple of times. It really hit me 
harder later on, and I'm still processing it, to tell you the truth. I, I left the show, and but uh, yeah, the people who did it, did the show, were just did an incredibly good job of curating, constructing the whole thing. Um, and of course it was David Bowie and, uh, you know, we, we shall not see his likes again. I've talked to him any number of times on these audio booths and I mean, whatever else people talk about him being the chameleon and all this stuff. And uh, he had the songs and he wrote them and he delivered them. And they resonate, you know, they never get old. I think I've come to, to I think Hunky Dory is my favorite album. I think, I don't know, hard to say. But I'm going to talk more about this show in the next couple of podcasts. I've said enough for today. This is kind of the overview. So, Knox, riding the wild bubble with you. Over and out.